Hello and welcome to another Parents at Work podcast, where we cover a range of topics for the working parent to thrive. All our podcasts aim to offer useful tips and practical examples that support you to successfully balance career, work and family. And we know it's not easy. If you have any questions, please send them to info at parentsatwork.com.au. Otherwise, enjoy the episode. Nicole, welcome. So tell us about the work that UNICEF Australia does and what it advocates for as a good starting point for this discussion. Well, UNICEF is the United Nations Children's Agency and we work all around the world uh, in about 190 countries to really promote the uh, best interests of children and to ensure that children uh, are thriving in their lives. So that ranges from a spectrum of activities through to uh, childhood immunisation, through to supporting children's access to education no matter where they are in the world and also dealing in some of the most challenging situations of conflict and uh, natural disaster globally. And I think, Emma, everybody recognises UNICEF's work outside of Australia, but I think what a lot of people don't know um, is that we're also working here um, in support of Australian children. And uh, really, we've got a focus in a couple of key areas when it comes to supporting Australian children. Uh, We're really concentrating on the early years and making sure that all Australian children uh, can get the best start in life. And there's a whole lot of um, elements of work we're doing there. And um, the second thing is that we're focusing on young Australians in the second decade of life. And the most important thing that we do there is really to empower and support those young Australians to have an effect on the issues that matter most to them in their lives. So, for example, we've worked pretty extensively with young people in New South Wales who've been affected by the prolonged drought, um, and we've provided them opportunities to come together, connect with each other, and also articulate um, what the impacts of that that situation is on them and to connect directly with decision makers. Mm. Such important work that you do. As you say, I think uh, people are familiar with the global brand and work, but, you know, sometimes when it's closer to home, um, we're not as aware of, of the work we're doing. And and let's turn our attention to the, the bushfires. You know, following drought, we've had these dreadful bushfires. You know, what's been the impact, do you believe, on Australian children, you know, of this prolonged drought and now bushfire season that we've just had? Yeah, well, I think, Emma, what we have recognised is that the impact is really significant for Australian children and for Australian families, Um, so much so that this situation is the first situation ever in Australia um, in response to a natural emergency such as the the bushfire situation that we've launched our own domestic response. Um, So I think that says a lot in terms of how unprecedented the scale of this situation is. Um, And we know that children and young people are affected differently to adults in these type of situations. Um, And what we um, really recognise is is really critical when it comes to your kind of classic response to an emergency situation like this, there are typically three phases. You've got the immediate relief phase, um, and we've seen organisations like the Red Cross, the first responders like the Rural Fire Services getting out there and doing such an amazing job in just the immediate response period. But then what we have to really recognise is that the recovery process takes a long time. It takes many years. So following this immediate relief period, you've got um, a process of recovery and then one of rehabilitation. Um, And we know that children have got specific needs across all those three stages. And it's really, really critically important that we maintain a focus. So 
for example, um, you know, when we were doing our initial kind of mapping with partners on the ground, we uh, found out that in Victoria um, there are about 600 children, um, at least 600 children who'd lost everything um, in the weeks leading up to the run-up of getting them back to school. That was so challenging for those children and families who'd lost absolutely everything. And in New South Wales, we know the numbers are significantly higher. Um, the best kind of insight we're getting from our government ca counterparts is that there are at least 3,700 3, uh, children who've been really extremely affected. Um, and those numbers were coming from the kind of calculation and preparation of getting back to school. So, um, and then of course, there's children right across South Australia um, and indeed Queensland from the earlier uh, fire season. So the, the impact have been, um, I would say, extensive um, and, and pretty multifaceted as well. Mm -hmm. And look, of course, you're, you're quite right. You know, we have done an amazing job as a nation uh, to first respond um, to these fires. But, you know, certainly it's been playing on my mind. Once, you know, fires are, you know, put out, there is a long road to recovery and, and not just the immediate impact of rebuilding a home, which obviously the personal loss involved in that is just you know, is terrible for, for children and families. Not having the basic shelter, you know, is something that, you know, traumatises you know, many, many a family who've gone through that. But it's the loss of livelihood, mm. uh, you know, the loss of work and income and potentially the loss of the school. This isn't just, you know, uh, impacting, you know, one or two families um, in, a, in a community. In, in many cases, it's the full community yeah. um, being wiped out of you know a livelihood and um, so that is takes this disaster I feel to another level because parents aren't able to get back to work and earn, um, earn a living um, they don't have jobs to go to how do they feed children and that you know prolongs again um, the ability to recover as you've talked about so I mean sure they are definitely um, you know very difficult um, scenarios for families, as you say, sounds to me that, you know, at least 5,000 or more children across Australia are directly impacted by this. Yep. Um, we also know that there's an indirect um, impact from, from other children that have watched these disasters unfold around them through the media. What do you think are some of the common feelings that children might be experiencing that parents um, you know, may be faced with either those directly or indirectly, um, you know, impacted. Because one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is to, to give parents um, some tools and some hope around what they might be able to do to support their children during this time. Yeah, well, I think it's a really important question, Emma. And to start with, I think what we've really got to recognise is that people cope with trauma in many different ways uh, and so that there isn't a standard pattern of reaction uh, to the stress of traumatic uh, experiences. So I think that that's really important to recognise. Um, and when it comes to children, um, children aren't always able to express complex feelings in the same direct way that adults can. Um, and therefore, uh, they don't often show the same reactions to stress as adults. Um, so what's really, really important is that we're all looking out for changes in children's behaviour um, that can suggest that they may be unsettled or distressed. 
And I think, Emma, it's really important that you kind of break down those two different groups because, of course, we've got those children uh, and their families who have been directly affected. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a situation of profound stress for those families. Um, but it's also other children, um, all Australian children, in fact, who've been exposed and have been sitting and bearing witness to these events playing out. So I think it's really important um, that I can talk briefly about both groups and, and what's playing out for them. We, um, the week before last, we had a team um, working with some of our partners on a needs assessment um, process. And that team was up on the far north, north coast of New South Wales in, in Grafton and Lismore and down in the far south um, around Eden, Bermagui, Cabago um, and, and those townships, um, really just trying to get a deeper understanding as to what the issues are. Um, and what, you know, I come back to that point I made about the subtle, sometimes subtle, but sometimes quite obvious changes in children's behaviour um, that are a real indicator that they're unsettled or distressed. In terms of um, what people are reporting what's going on for children who've been directly affected. Um, so kind of seeing changes in, in the way children are playing. And um, in one of the daycare centres that um, the team was visiting, um, the staff were talking about the way um, the situation of the bushfires was translating into the play of the children at that, uh, at that facility. You know, for example, the kids were playing and then they were like, oh, no, it's a, it's a northerly wind. We've got to uh, be on guard. You know, so really seeing these events um, transmuting through play. Um, they're also saying that some of the children are waking from their daytime naps um, as if they've had nightmares um, and, you know, these, these type of things. So I'd say some of the classic um, things that, that's really important to look out for are things like changes in play, uh, nightmares, anxiety about uh, sleeping alone, trouble getting to sleep, uh, you might see some withdrawing. You might see children wanting to stay close to parents, problems concentrating at school. Um, you know, so so I think this this key point around um, that children aren't able to articulate in many cases the in the way adults are. So the real key is to be watching and observing um, their behaviour. And and it's also important to recognise that some may show may show signs. Uh, straight away, whereas for others, um, you know, some of these issues might crop up in, in months to come. But also what's really, really important, Emma, I think um, children and families do need a lot of support at the moment, but we have to remember that children are usually very, very resilient. Um, and for most children with the right support, these reactions will gradually reduce over time. Mm. Which is definitely comforting to hear. But what can we do to support children with that resilience? What What do you think? How can parents be supporting their children? Yeah, look, I think I think there are a lot of things that um, that parents can be doing, and I think above all, I'd say that parents also need to be looking after themselves. So you know, I think we've got to recognise that parents, of course, have been through um, kind of uh, extreme stress, and it's important that they're also looking after their own their own selves. But I think specifically when it comes to um, what parents can do you know, to help children who've been exposed to this situation to help them to recover. Um, the first thing is after a traumatic event, children need comfort, they need reassurance and they need support. Um, they need to know that they're safe and they need to know that they're being looked after. So, you know, where it's possible, I think it's really important that parents can spend some more time with their children. Um, they can provide their children with plenty of affection through cuddles, hugs, um, and just making that time um, to help children to stabilise, to normalise, um, you know, and as, as much as possible, creating opportunities for, for play with children. 
um, let them be a bit more dependent on you for a while and, and try to help them reestablish their daily routines around mealtimes, bedtimes and returning to school. So I think that's really important. Um, the next thing is it's really important to find out what your children know um, in case they might have mistaken ideas or facts about the bushfires and you can help to correct those uh, mis misconceptions. Um, and, and as, you know, we, as all of us who are parents know, we, we try and do this um, as much as we can. Um, but in these situations, listening to our children's concern um, is, is really, really important. Um, listen closely to what they're saying um, and think about what they're looking for. You know, are they needing more factual information um, or, you know, do they just need an opportunity to talk about their feelings? Um, so it's really, really important to be able to, um, to, to listen to those children's concerns. And um, then I think this, this kind of last point is really critical as well. It's about monitoring how much um, your children are being exposed to media stories of the bushfires. Um, because what can happen is that children can become re-traumatised by watching repeated images on the television. And um, sometimes, particularly for those children who've been directly affected, it can be best to try and shield them um, from, from the media. So there, there's some things that that, um, that that some steps that parents can and are taking to assist in their children's recovery. Mm. So when do we call in the professionals, if you like, you know, or you know, what resources are available to support children? You know, who can those vulnerable families turn to for support? Yeah, look, and this is such an important question, Emma, because um, as I said, you know, we, we've all been affected. All of us um, in in Australia have been affected by this incredibly difficult summer. Um, so more or less, um, you know, most of us will be struggling with this in, in different ways. Um, and it's absolutely essential that parents aren't trying to do this alone. So, and there are plenty of places, um, you know, as we said, we've seen such an incredible response from the Australian community to this so that there are plenty of places where parents can turn and I'd really encourage them to do that. So, you know, as a, as a first port of call, um, your, your child's teacher can be a great place to start, you know, particularly around kind of concerns, observations around any changes in, in behaviour for your children. Um, of course, you've got your, um, your GPs, your general practitioners, you know, who I think are re receiving kind of additional skilling and support to help um, communities and people um, cope with this. Um, for people who are in the bushfire affected zones, the recovery centres um, are still operating and, and they're really critical. And what they're doing, the really important role that they're playing is that they're connecting with people on an individual level because every single person, every single child, every single family has had a different experience. Um, and so there's no one size fits all. Um, so those recovery centres are meeting people um, as they are and really working hard to ascertain the individual needs of people affected. Um, and then I think for all parents, you know, there's existing great resources like um, the telephone uh, support service parent line, which is available um, in every state and territory. And, you know, that can be a place um, for parents who've got questions, who've got issues, who are watching their kids perhaps struggling um, and aren't quite sure what steps to take. Um, th those organisations are, um, are really important. And, um, yeah, what, what I'd say, you know, as well, so that, that's sort of the, the, the general kind of places for people to begin with their child's teacher, their GP, the recovery centres and services like the parent line. But I think it's important for everyone to recognise that 
organisations like UNICEF Australia and others are really committed to supporting families and communities over the long-term process of recovery. And for us, we'll be working with um, a partner organisation called Royal Far West. And Royal Far West are an amazing organisation with um, child-focused clinical specialists. Um, and we'll be working um, to really help to deploy um, specialist clinical support. Um, so child psychologists, uh, social workers, occupational therapists, um, to, to around 25 of the most affected communities in New South Wales. Um, so that, that planning for that work is underway at the moment. So, so there will be a whole range of specialist support um, that's being deployed uh, in terms of assisting people at this point um, in, in the recovery process as well. Mm. So all vital and really important community um, response and, and services that are available. I want to turn um, our attention to employers and what they can do to support their own employees' families through this time. Because presumably there are employers with affected employees who need more flexibility, emotional and financial hardship help, um, perhaps, for instance, what conversation would you encourage employers to be having with their staff at this time? Yeah, well, I think employers can play a, a vitally important role um, over coming months and indeed years in terms of supporting their people uh, through this process of recovery. I think we've got to start by recognising that these experiences have had a deep and profound effect on, on individuals and, um, and that really people are going to need ongoing support to recover. Um, so I think, you know, some of the, you know, and perhaps before I go into some of the concrete things, just to share a, a story which emerged out of our um, field visit two weeks ago. Um, this one really hit me personally as a parent as well. And what a lot of parents <clears throat> were reporting um, was an increased sense of anxiety in being separated from their children. And I think where this um, was playing out quite significantly, um, and at this time two weeks ago, um, down on the south coast, um, the threat of fire still hadn't subsided. So you had schools which were still being closed. And, and in regional communities, um, and the story that we heard was that um, one parent had to work in a town, which is, you know, a 35-minute drive in one direction, and her children, uh, two of them, were in schools in, in different places, you know. So that feeling, whilst the threat of fire was still present, um, you can only imagine, you know, the feeling um, of enhanced mm. anxiety of, of separation. Um, you know, so there are a lot of stories like that. And I think um, what I'm getting at and coming back to your point around employers and the important role that they can play, it all begins with that recognition of just how deep and profound these experiences have been. And I think some of the um, key things and key steps that employers can take and, as we understand, are taking, which is great, um, it's, again, assisting um, their employees to access counselling services where this may um, be, be helpful. Um, one of the really, really important things is, is being able to offer greater flexibility um, to, their, to their employees, um, <clears throat> both in terms of how work is fulfilled and how their duties and responsibilities are, are fulfilled, but also some greater flexibility in leave entitlements. Yeah, so just coming back to that point, I think one of the um, really one of the most fundamental things that employers can be doing both in the near term and the longer term is really um, maximising the flexibility that they're offering um, to their employees. Um, and that will allow those employees um, to really be able to focus uh, on their own individual recoveries, but where their parents um, and where their children have got specific needs, parents will need, uh, children will need their parents 
um, throughout this process and where employers can recognise, um, you know, the critical and unique circumstances of people who've been affected and support them with greater flexibility, um, both in how they discharge their week-to-week responsibilities, but also really importantly, um, greater flexibility when it comes to leave entitlements as well. Um, I think that's something which is, you know, fundamental and, and would make a huge uh, difference in a positive way. And then, you know, it's also things, um, companies and employers, it's always, you know, the things that they're trying to work on anyway about building a culture of community and trust. Um, And, you know, I think it's great for um, companies who have been so generous in supporting uh, the recovery process, you know, through financial donations, through employee matching and those type of um, efforts, I think, are, are also really, really important as well. So there's a lot that employers can do. I think they've got a very important role uh, through this recovery process. Yes, I agree. And look, I think if any of you listening are looking for, you know, more support from for either your families, um, I would really encourage you to you know, go to UNICEF and the other advice line Nicole has shared. And also for employers, quite right, you know, you've done a great job, many of uh, employers raising money around the world, um, you know, locally and internationally. Let's not forget our employees' um, immediate needs and to support them with greater flexibility uh, at this time and whatever it is that they need to recover. And um, if I could just take a take a minute just before we wrap up, just in case the people listening are interested, I just wanted to briefly um, share uh, just the focus of UNICEF Australia's response to the bushfire uh, crisis so people can have an understanding of some of the practical things that we're doing to try and support our children and families through this process. Um, so the first thing is when the fires kind of hit, Uh, There were only a few weeks remaining uh, for children to get back to school, and that was incredibly difficult for children and families who'd lost everything. I mean, we we know what it's like during that time of getting back to school to start with, just what a stress it can be to run around and get everything that kids need. But imagine being in that situation when you just lost everything. Um, So we've been focusing with partner organisations on the provision of immediate relief uh, to families you know, so in Victoria, we were able to contribute to a back-to-school kit uh, for uh, for children who'd lost everything. You know, so that was the basics around uniforms, shoes, books. Um, but we were also able to include the provision of some of the essential electronic learning devices that, that students needed. Um, and we'll, there'll be a sort of similar um, process of support across um, each of the major states affected. Um, but I also really wanted to draw attention again to that issue around um, supporting children's recovery through concentrating on their mental health. Um, all the research from the Black Saturday fire examples really indicate just how fundamentally important this is uh, for children to be able to get the support that they need over the medium term and long term uh, to recover from their um, from the tra- traumatic experiences they've been through um, with to focus on really appropriately targeted mental health services. So as I was saying, we're really going to be focused on that. We're working with some great clinical partners to do that. And finally, what we've really learned, Emma, through our drought work um, is that children and young people are feeling really disconnected from the decision-making process. So we'll be creating opportunities for children and young people to come together, to share their experiences and to also contribute to shaping some of the policy responses, not only to this immediate response effort, 
um, but to future disaster events um, because it's really important that young people are, are more well connected um, to the public d debate around this. Um, that's important for them for their own feelings of social connectedness. Uh, but it also means that our public policy responses can be richer when they're benefiting from the perspectives of, of young people. Mm, excellent and quite right. So th thank you so much, Nicole, for your time and for sharing all of that. So useful, um, inc incredibly helpful and, and keep up the, the great work. Well, thank you, Emma. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks for having us on today.